I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And not as usual. It's breaking news in UK Packers HQ. Ryan Peacock isn't here. He's not here. The reason he isn't here was is because he's uh, he's suspended. It's a failure to disclose a physical illness. And uh, I've just kicked him out for the week. So instead, uh, we have a replacement who I, I think everyone knows and loves. It's our draft guru, Andy Davies. Andy, what is going on, buddy? Hey there, buddy. How are you? You okay? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, I think we're on the same schedule, right? Because uh, rang you up. Said to you, Andy, uh, you're good for the pod this week. Fill in for Rhino. He's uh, he's a bold boy. And you said, yeah, what time after we put the kids down? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that kind of works. How's dad life, yeah. man? Yeah, we were in the... Uh... Camp cold tonight. We've got no boiler, so we've got no heat, and so the kids are wrapped up in six, six sleeping bags each, and, nice, uh, <laughs> and two duvets. So, um, right. yeah, they're all good. Finley's um, put the footballing world to rights tonight, and then um, Amber was a bit about sort of half, half six, so that was all mm. good. Yeah, Juicy, you put her down nice and early. My lad, now he was bouncing off the walls till about eight o'clock. Ugh, yeah, but we we don't get the full night's sleep though. We'll be um, yeah. poor Gemma will be up about half three in the morning. Uh, yeah, and she'll be wanting to play Ringa Ringa Roses or something of that nature around quarter four, so that'll be all good. Yeah, as you do. We've got a young lad. I get away kind of easy. Now, I'm working from home, so I kind of, some people argue that I get off even easier, but that, my job doesn't work like that, all right? And flat out, if I was the DOS, I wouldn't get it done. But yeah, we've got a newborn uh, dealing with that type of stuff as well, Andy. So I feel your pain. What's the age gap in your kids? Is your family planned it in a really strange way? Did you not? Yeah, so yeah, Amber's, Amber turned one at the end of October, mm. uh, and Finley's six. Uh, my eldest, he's up and away. He's living down in London. He's doing a performing arts course down in uh, down in London, yeah. chasing the West End dream. So, right. yeah, yeah, he's uh, all good. Sam Brett. There you go. Yeah, and this again, we've said this before, and we like to sort of use you as an example of what you can do if you dream big enough, right? About naming your kids' names. So your first <laughs> kid is Sam Brett. Your second yeah. child is Finley. Any Packer-related second name? For Amber, yeah, Amber Madison. So uh, yeah, yeah, she's a. Uh, yeah, so I got we steeped in the amber because that's my other passion was um, issues be town who were blue and amber. So um, yeah, best of both worlds of that one. So Amber Madison was uh, where we went. Holy jays! How yeah, did you get cool. away with it, Andy? Did you have to, you know, pay <laughs> large sums of money? Did you have to buy a bigger house? Yeah. I mean, what happened? Yeah, I attended some open university influencing skills courses. Yeah, sometimes I think you'd need terrorist negotiations to actually change their minds. But come here, we won't go there. Look. Uh, <laughs> This is I I gonna everyone who's listening to the podcast now it will be titled something ominous probably right because I don't know what to title this podcast Andy because we're looking down the barrel of something pretty unprecedented for an awful lot of modern fans in the sense that they don't realize the struggle and the hard times now you're not in that camp you you've been a Packer fan since the eighties right um I mean is the play that you're seeing at the moment in any way comparative to the you know burning dumpster that you saw back in the 80s or is the internet exploding and kind of overreacting to all of this right now i think the only frustrating part for me is that the teams in the 80s were totally and i mean totally devoid of talent so when you look at the roster from both sides of the ball offense defense special teams there was um very little talent on those squads Uh, this squad you know we could probably point towards at least 40% 40% of the roster that's uh, 
that's, that's talented, that's proved it's talented, that we have you know won games and won a lot of games over the years, and and, and now because number twelve's not there, all of a sudden it's um, you know we are looking like a, a four and twelve squad. Yeah, it's an odd one, and we had a guy. Uh, someone tweeted in his little Facebook blurb. This guy said, oh, "I'm a new fan to the NFL. I've, I was supporting the Packers for a year, but after seeing what's happening to them this year, I think I'll just support somebody else." Right? He's not the only one though, because Martellus Bennett's gone. Right? <laughs> and arguably, people are saying, you know, he's kind of yeah. doing the same thing. Maybe that was a shadow account for Martellus Bennett. This is an odd one. It's breaking news now as we're recording the podcast that he's actually signed with the Patriots. So to run through how this whole thing works, Bennett signed a three-year deal. Um, he came back from the bye week with a shoulder injury. Some people are saying, oh, a mysterious shoulder injury. I don't know if that's fair. Um, and the, apparently the Packers, they've waived him because of his failure to um, disclose the physical injuries, how they put it. Now, whether that's the shoulder injury or whether it's something different, they don't know. And per Rob Domofsky on ESPN, apparently they did it because they want to reclaim $4.2 million in a prorated signing bonus. And they... Like, what does this smack of to you? Does this smack of a player who just gave up after A-Rod went down? Uh, does this smack of a player who just wanted to retire? Is this in Martellus Bennett's uh, repertoire as a person? Because he's very flamboyant. Uh, he's very out there. Is this just his, you know, attention-seeking, throwing his toys out of the pram way of going on? What's going on here, man? Uh, I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it, is he? I think... He was very entertaining from July until August. Yeah. And after that, he's been a bit of a disaster, hasn't he? Yeah, so I yeah. think from the point where we signed him right the way through to week one, I, I thought he was great. Um, and on paper, the, the sort of duo with him and Kendricks looked exciting on paper. But um, uh, dressing up in the uniform and, and on the field, he's been an absolute disaster, hasn't he? I mean, he can't catch the ball. Um, he looks as though he's lost two yards of speed. I mean, I think the injuries, I think I put something on Facebook yesterday, it was around the injuries were, he was towing a caravan and he had two rocks for hands. <laughs> those, you know, our physio should have picked up on those because that's how he's played. Um, and I just get a real sense that there's a real air of discontent amongst the players per se, not just with Martellus. Um, and I think it's been accentuated since A-Rod went down. Um doesn't surprise me that he's ended up with the Patriots. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's only there for a couple of weeks and sort of leaves that roster as well. Um, I, I think he's a, a very complicated character, isn't he? We've seen a little bit of that in his interviews. And, um, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's a, a good separation for both parties, I think. Yeah, like he's volatile. And I, do you know what? I Stuff grates on me very easy. Like I, when I did work in an office before I worked at home, and I'm glad I work at home because I don't think I'm, I'm made, I'm a hippie at heart, I think as well. But I remember in the office, like someone would walk a certain way and it would really annoy me. You know, I'd be like, oh, there's, there's, there's. and he used to have names, like I'd, I used to call a guy in the office in my <laughs> head, right? He used to call him Doug Stamper. And, and I, I used to always call him Doug. And I was talking to somebody and they said, blah, 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 about someone. I said, yeah, what, uh, Doug? And I said, oh, shit that's not his name and they say Doug what do you call him Doug I say Doug Stamper because he stamps her in the office the whole time so I had these inner you know names for everybody that used to really annoy me Martellus Bennett kind of grated on me after about a week or two because he was so deliberately kind of attention seeking and I knew that and I think I kind of said it at the very start like it's nice to have a character like him in he might embolden people to him and create some sort of vibrance to the locker room if he's good he'll lead by example and show that you can have fun while you're doing it but if all of that doesn't go to play, like what he did with the Bears, he's going to start smushing his own players into the ground, you know. And we've kind of seen it here, is that he's one of these really super hyper-complicated kind of guys. You have to, like a prima donna, keep him happy. 
and whatever went on there, you know, it was complicated by the issues with his brother, the protests in America, people turning against him, and I don't think he could handle that. He was so used to being the media darling, so that when people turned against him, I think he got a bit annoyed. But, like, what strikes me about the Packers series, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he came out and said that he was going to retire. There's stuff in the media that says that that really caught the Packers off guard. They asked Mike McCarthy, did do you discuss the retirement with him when you waived him? He said, no, we never discussed it. Which is odd as well, because if I was in work and I said, eh, I think I'm going to quit, and your boss doesn't come to you and say, is everything all right? That's a bit odd to me. And on top of that, Andy, we've heard stories when Josh Sitton, um, you know, got released into the wild and became a bear, um, that he was they thought he was going to be disruptive in the locker room. He was quite Barbie kind of in the locker room. Anyway, they were prioritizing younger offensive linemen over him. They thought that he would be a bit pissed off, so they kind of preemptively cut him. You know, like, it, is this the case here, do you think? Like, is it is it like, Andy, if you found out that, you know, when you're 14 and you've got a girlfriend and she you hear off her mates that she's going to break up, just you break <laughs> up with her first? Is that what we're talking about here? But is that not part of the problem that we are too conformist within the organization so you either tow the party line or it's or it's a highway uh, you know the distance between the players and the coaches for me is a too big a gap you know we didn't know that he was disgruntled you know like you just said there if you have an employee at your place of work you talk to them on an ongoing basis you're you're constantly appraising their performance, reviewing what they do, they do what they do good. You give them recognition for what they do bad. You give them feedback and sort of hopefully great coaching brings that forward. So, so to not understand where he was mentally and physically and, and sort of that, that for me is a worry in itself. And a bit like you said with Josh Sitton, I, I think there's a real gap, you know, there's a real gap between the players and the coaches. And I think you're seeing that lack of communication on the field, you know, particularly on defense. So, Andy, talk to me then, because we did sp speak a bit of this off air. You are an ex-professional football player. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you are air number 12, so you're membership number 12. And, you know, you're that for a reason, because you're our quarterback at our meetups and you're an integral part of the meetups. And I'm delighted that you're coming to Dublin. We can hang out again. But you're an ex-professional football player. You're used to being in the professional atmosphere of professional sportsmen. What, like, explain to me what it's like and, and can you relate that even to an NFL locker room, do you think? Obviously, I know you don't know, you've never been an NFL player, but, I mean, does this reflect really badly on the organisation? Do, do players talk about these type of things and do you think that, you know, an episode like this makes Green Bay a bit of a laughing stock, a bit of a joke and would deter free agents from even considering coming up to Green Bay in the first place? Yeah, if you, t if you rewind it all the way back to the 80s that we talked about at the top of the pod, um, you know, Green Bay was a place that was probably number 28 of the 28 teams in terms of chosen destination. Yeah. And it was only the signing of sort of Brett Favre and Reggie White that really turned that full circle. And Ron Wolf made it an attractive place to play. But in doing that, we overpaid. We overpaid for players. And, and, and that's how we sort of, you know, turn the wheel full circle. You know, if you look at the likes of Micah Hyde, Casey Haywood, TJ Lang, JC Tretter, Jared Cook, Josh Sitton, you could go on, even Ricky Jean Francois and, and now Martellus Bennett have all left. Um, you know, we're kidding ourselves if you don't think that they talk to other players in other locker rooms. And, and I think that, you know, at the end of a game, you used to go and shake hands and have a beer in the bar and say, look, you know, how is it at your club? You know, what the facility is like? What the session's like? Do you train twice a day? Is it hard? Do, do they run you? You know, is it... 
you know, all the intricate questions, you know, you're allowed out, do you do, do, you do have team nights out, what do you do, what's the manager like, is he a good talker, does he communicate, all those sorts of things are part of the conversations at the end of the game, in the bar after the game, you know, and so that all goes on at any level of professional sports. And I just think that when you look at the list of players that have left on not the greatest of terms and some of the things that Josh Sitton said, if you look at some of the sound bites that he came out with, he's very much indicating that it's sort of you have to tow the party line or it's or it's the highway, which is what happened with him, isn't it? It yeah. wasn't a performance issue, was it? You know, no. Lang and Sitton, you couldn't you know couldn't point to them and say actually there's a real sort of performance issue and on the downward turn of their careers because they've both gone on to do you know great things with Detroit and Chicago respectively. So it's not an issue there. It's it's about the environment that you create within your club. And I just worry for that. I just worry. Uh, when I watch the play of the defence and the level of commitment that you're getting from the likes of um, Ha-Ha Clinton Dix and, and Clay Matthews and people that you would expect to be sort of at an all-pro level, they're nowhere near. They're nowhere near. So is it a will or is it a skill? So it's not the skill because they prove they can play at an all-pro level. So there's a will, there's a, there's a, a motivational issue there. And that's that worries me, that disconnect between coaching an output on the field, and that's why I think there's something more to it with Martellus. With, with you know, someone, I don't know. So let's take Ricky Jean Francois. What does he play? I don't know. Three games for us. So they brought him in twice, released him twice. Do you think he's going to be overly positive about the Packers organization, other than that they paid him a few quid? He's not, is he? You know, and I just think that that doesn't make us look great from an organizational point of view. You know. Ted Thompson hangs his hat on the draft. He is seen as a GM who is a boss man when it comes to drafting NFL players. He is not, uh, you know, an all-encompassing free agent kind of guy, is he? It hasn't happened in, in terms of that. Now that he's failed on the draft for the last sort of four years, and uh, maybe he's even longer, you've got to ask yourself, you know, why is he still around? That's that's where I'm at with it, you know, because we, if we are not drafting and developing players, then we need to be playing in both parties and our dip into free agency has been as unsuccessful as the dip into the draft over the last four years. And I think you're seeing a, a sort of culmination, if you like, of all those parts that haven't come to uh, come to fruition. And the shocking part about it is, Andy, is that he was drafted and developed for so long um, and he took an uncharacteristic splash in the free agency this year. And what I'm reading online is, is they say, see, this is exactly why you don't dabble in free agency because this is the type of stuff that can happen. Ricky Jean Francois out the door, Martellus Bennett was an absolute bust. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, like hindsight is twenty twenty, and I'm not having it because an awful lot of people no. I see as well are going, oh, uh, how do we let Jared Cook go? Uh, TT has to roll for this. And you're kind of thinking, first off, Martellus Bennett was far better stat-wise. Um, and when we looked at uh, Kendricks and Bennett, you know, we salivated at the thought of having two tight end sets because yeah. look, was what Jared Cook not most effective by just being on the field? He was capable, but by just being on the field, he used to drag coverage away, which would open up. Because that that was our that was our problem, wasn't it? That we, they were playing press man against us. We couldn't get anybody open. He a actually managed to surgically open defenses, uh, which allowed space for you know Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson and all the rest. So you know, I mean. Yes. Spot on, mate. You're spot on. I mean, and I don't think anyone could see that coming, could they, in terms of Bennett? You know, he's just won a Super Bowl. You can't knock his performance on the field. He's been an effective tight end throughout his career. Kendricks was a, is a great athlete, and I think it's been underused in Green Bay. Uh, the, the only thing I would say is that, again, we, we shortchanged Jared Cook, so I'd, I'd, I would 
quite happily have took all three, if I'm really honest. I'd have taken at least two of the three. But it's the fact that we we wouldn't pony up to pay Jared Cook and thought we were being clever by getting Bennett and Kendricks. Now, do you think Jared Cook's gone away to Oakland and said, yeah, great club Green Bay, they'll pay you your worth. You know, you put your body on the line, playoff catches, all that. Uh, and see you later, because I asked for half a million extra, allegedly. So that that's the sort of thing, I think, for me, that it, that takes Green Bay in terms of perspective from other players down a notch. Yeah. Because, you, you know, it's all been about oh, we reward our own players and all that. But actually, we've not done that. We've not done that with Lang. We've not done that with Sitton. And we've not done that with Jared Cook. So you're right, hindsight, you know, we all salivated in the summer, didn't we? Saying, you know, Bennett and, and, and Kendricks and Rogers as a backup in the, in the red zone. What a great combination. But actually, I would have, you know, I'd like to have kept Cook as well and maybe just keep the three tight ends. Uh, and we just wouldn't pony up that extra half a million quid or whatever it was to, to bring him in. So, But it's mad, Andy, that not an awful lot of people are talking about this side of things. And I think the reason is, is because Sitton left and we were okay. You know, Lang left and we're relatively okay. And people aren't really talking about the O-line. Uh, Bakhtiari a, stepped up big time when he came in. Um, it's a depth you, though, isn't it? It's a yeah. depth that you lose. It's not the starting position per se, is it? It's a depth that you lose. So when we put our starting five out, but they're all made of glass. So the starting five, you know, lasts for, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's not a great one, is it? So, you know, when you look at the track record, it's just not, you know, particularly with Balaga. Again, he's lost for the season now, and that's going to be, you know, a big loss. It's a depth that you lose, isn't it? So when you, you refuse to pay those starters, you know, yeah. and they move on, you, you're, you're elevating from within. And it's worked out with Lane Taylor. He's been fantastic both last year and this year. But I think that you just lose that depth, don't you? You know, yeah. you, you, they're all batting at one station above where they potentially should be. Yeah, and again, we saw that uh, Morgan Burnett went off injured. Uh, I think it was a again. groin injury. Yeah, McRae uh, now is injured as well. So when you talk about depth, I mean, we're even more banged up um, at that position now with, with McRae gone. So it's, it's hard to know where it gets better and... As well, this let's talk about Hundley because we can't we can't go on really because I suppose it is a, a Lions post mortem review, really. <laughs> but uh, the team really as a whole into what direction that we're going. If if we move away, say from from defense and just just focus on Hundley. Now, if you were to look at the stats, uh, which is now I like stats, but I think this is really misleading. So Hundley was twenty four for thirty two hundred and forty yards with a pass rating of a hundred. When he wasn't pressured, when he was pressured, he was two for eight for thirty for a pass rating of thirty nine point six. That's per Pro Football Focus. He had a high grade and a pass rating of a hundred when he's not pressured. Sounds absolutely fantastic. But Andy, from the both of us looking at this, uh, it's short passes. It's just like brainless passes. Do you know what? The, the, there's two things that stood out for me with Hundley, and it's gonna sound stupid. Number one is the way he goes around smacking the gun with his shoulders bent forward. It's a weird <laughs> body language, right? I don't yeah. understand it. And as well, honourable mention to the media who picked up on his how many chewing gums does he eat a game, which is just absolutely like my eyes nearly <laughs> fell out of my head when I read it. Right? It's good to know he likes juicy fruit and extra, but he's on extra at the moment. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's it. Andy, so a serious question: Do you think he should switch to juicy fruit? But anyway, so the second thing that I notice is is that and it's so noticeable when he goes up to the line he does you can't he doesn't look up you don't see him reading the defense and now uh, there's a podcast great podcast power um 58 is that what it's called uh john meerdink uh the power sweep uh blue 58 is the name that got it mixed up um so he went into uh hundley's scouting report and about how he's not able to read defenses he doesn't have a pre-snap plan 
you know, he runs around with the ball behind the line of scrimmage and gets sucked up too much. I think he had something like 150 sacks or something like that when he's in college. But Andy, do you see that in this guy? I mean, he, you know, he goes up to the line of scrimmage, his eyes are down. And similarly, when he goes get that snap of the ball, if he's not dumping it off to the running back behind the line of scrimmage or for two yards or the next receiver that he runs into as he's running to the sideline to throw it away, um, regard irrespective of the stats, the way they look, this guy is not truly a serviceable quarterback. And personally, I don't think he's going to improve a whole lot because it doesn't look like he has the talent to make those pre-snap reads. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. Uh, Well, I saw what I expected to see. Um, I saw what I expected to see from a guy that started two NFL games. That's the reality of it. Um, He's not number 12. um, And he's playing in an offense, which is about as, you know, well, my Finley could do something a little bit more creative with his pens and paper, to be honest. The routes that we run are, are bland. They yeah. are, they lack diversity. They lack suddenness. There's no moving parts within our offense. It's based on formations. And, and if you put number 12 back in the system, I would suggest that if you drilled it down in terms of passing players, probably 80 to 90% of our players uh, are based around plays that actually break down. Mm. So they, he, once he rolls out of the pocket and it becomes a breakdown scramble player, um, and that's where A-Rod thrives, isn't it? And there's no other quarterback in the NFL could do what he does. And that's why he's so valuable. And that's when we talk about the, the drop-off in terms of an A-Rod-led Packers versus a Packers minus A-Rod. That's the difference, that nobody else can do what he does. Uh, and the offense, like it or not, is based solely around Aaron's ability to be able to make plays outside the pocket on a scramble drill. And that's not great, is it? That's not that's not an offense that is sustainable in terms of once he goes on, it's next man up, and let's get the same productivity. You know, Brett Hundley didn't didn't miss a lot, but if you're throwing you know screen players five yard outs, you know, yeah, uh, that that's a pretty pathetic offense. You've got to create separation for someone who's not quite got the skill set. And if you look at his college bio coming out of college you know hanging on his first reads too long putting his head down too quickly relying on his legs and all those sorts of things those things are all true now because he hasn't played any proper football for three years you know it's not he's not going to improve you know sat on the bench so I think that he probably did as well as could be expected within the offense that Mike McCarthy has put together now I think he'll he'll move on in the summer he'll go to a different team you think his trade value will is now lower than what it was in the off season, which is why I would have traded him in the off season for a second round pick. And um, I think he'll go into an offense. And if he's with the right person, with the right offensive coordinator, so someone like, so let's look at Jared Goff, for example, with the Rams. So if you'd have looked at him last year, would you have said, yeah, there's a bona fide NFL quarterback who's going to throw for four touchdowns a game and average a 265 yards a game. I you'd have said no. Done. Yeah, I would have thought yeah, he was Yeah, totally. Done. So give him an offensive coordinator that provides him with speed on the outside and some creative routes from the slot. And what do you get? You've got a quarterback now full of confidence. He's no longer got happy feet. He's doing exactly the same things that Brent Hunt was doing last year. But this year he's grown in confidence because he's got separation down the field and he's got some easy completions. Brent Hunt needs completions. You watch them all. First play, um, Devontae Adams on the sideline, you know, got like a window of about half a yard, the, the pass to Randall Cobb. If Aaron Rodgers had made that throw, we'd have been talking about it and waxing lyrical about it for, for weeks and weeks and weeks because the window was that small. So I'm not, I don't disagree per se with you, but what I'm saying is that within our offense, he's probably doing as well as he's, as, as anybody else would do. So all the clamber for the Kaepernick's and the, you know, the Joe Callahan's and all that, I just, it 
it's a moot point to me. They, they wouldn't be any better off with it. We've got far more exposed weak points within the team than the, than the quarterback position. Yeah, that, that's my view anyway. Well, we had media reports come out uh, with the Saints game. And I found, and this is where it kind of feeds into your point that maybe something isn't quite right in the locker room here and maybe people are losing confidence, is that we had a reporter, and again, I can't remember his name on Twitter, saying that uh, there's not a whole lot happening in this game for Brett Hundley, but I'm looking at the receivers and they're not getting any separation whatsoever. So, you know, and I think that's the point here. But the thing was, Randall Cobb came out, I think it was Randall Cobb anyway, after that game and sort of almost sounded pissed off and said you know, uh, we all have to do better here, but, you know, he missed some, as if to say, like, well, we got open a few times. But, like, my point to be is that, like, Hundley does not have the talent or skill, not yet anyway, and not for a long time, probably, uh, not to do with him, but, you know, the game is fast, is to go through all of his reads and then spot the play that has actually broken down and then hit that receiver. So if you're open on a busted play that isn't planned, you can't expect Brett Hundley at that stage to pick you out and pick the pass. So here's my point, really. And I I said this on the podcast when we were doing well. Credit to me, right? Patting myself on the back here, you can hear it. (laughs) As I was saying, should we not be talking about the team's deficiencies even though we're doing well? I equated it to the Irish economy is that we were going through the Celtic Tiger times and lads were putting their hands up going, excuse me, I think the market's going to burst. And they were like, oh, no, no, just flash on, buy the gold, play the jacks, it's grand, just keep going, we're fine. And then all of a sudden it crashes. And then the lads who were saying, I told you so, in all of this greatness, I told you that there was bad things coming. So similarly, Andy, I mean, are we, like Aaron Rodgers is great, right? And he is the second coming of Jesus. We know this now. However, is he not bad for the Green Bay Packers to a degree? Because... I mean, imagine you're, so you're in work and there's one guy on your team, you do complex work and Johnny is absolutely balls to the wall unbelievable. And he gets the deadline done, he makes all the sales, but the minute he goes down, your whole operation turns to shit. Is that not what we're seeing here with A-Rod? Has he not got into bad habits himself? Because let me put it this way, right? Last year when he wasn't playing well, when he didn't play well, the entire team suffered big time and our season was nearly written off. We expected him to play at a superhuman strength, to drag the team into the playoffs, to run the table, as he said, and to operate at that really, really high level and take it on himself. Like, has he not created a cross for his own back here, Andy, at the same time? And that the team effectively doesn't have an identity and the players don't... Because, look, the players might be talented, Jordy might have some speed, Randall might be able to work the slot, all of the rest of that. Geronimo Allison might be able to run... Uh, faster than two cheetahs with sellotape to each other but the thing is they can't shine because they're just predicated on a play breaking down and then uh, busted coverage are we not like we're not going to get any better when he comes back are we we're going to win games but as a team it's not doing us any favors is it i think we've become lazy in in a word i suppose i think that mike mccarthy is a is a stubborn coach isn't he you see it in his his interviews he's very He's a very strong believer in what he does is the right things. He is a trusted winning NFL coach, as he reminded us last year. Yeah. And I think that there's that stubbornness to change is what hinders the Green Bay Packers. In any walk of life, if you're not prepared to develop and change and adapt to your environment, you will, you know, ultimately you will die. That is the the, the way the world's always worked. And, and, and Green Bay are no different. And we haven't adapted either on defence for as long as Dom's been around and on offence when Aaron's gone out you clearly see we do not adapt effectively you know what's the record I think is it 2 and 10 with our A-Rod I think that's what it stacks up at now 
and that's a you know a reflection of Mike McCarthy, I'm afraid, and that's just the way it is, and particularly Ted Thompson as well, that we haven't got a backup plan, so to speak, and we don't adapt the offense, we don't adapt the routes, we don't adapt the route concepts, we don't adapt our our game planning. It's just you know, as a Detroit defensive coordinator, it must have been so easy to game plan. I mean, they were crowding the line of scrimmage, expecting a heavy dose of Aaron Jones for the first sort of two or three drives. Um, all the routes were going to be quick routes, so they were sitting on the routes, so there was no openings. Rather than do something a little bit different and trust him and let him have his head and go and do something and try a couple of sort of 15-yard outs or a couple of post plays or something that's put trips to the right-hand side and run a couple of flares, it just didn't... There's no creativity there, and as a result, you know, players aren't allowed to flourish and sort of hone their skills. You know, Devante Adams is probably in the top three route runners in the NFL. Mm. You know, whether he's running the fade route or whether he's running the quick slant. But we don't use it. We just don't use it. It's not part of the offense. We run the same plays week in, week out, and we run formations as opposed to, you know, the concept is all about, you know, formations and, you know, subgroups. And that and that's what Mike McCarthy uses. And that's why you see such a drop-off between when 12's in there to whether it's 7 or whether it was Seneca Wallace or whether it was... Scott you know, Tolzien, yeah. Scott Tolzien. That's why you see such a drop-off, because we don't have the backup plan to sort of go with it. Uh, and I think, you know, Ted Thompson's been lazy, and I think Mike, from a personnel perspective, but I also think, you know, McCarthy has to take a brunt of the criticism in terms of concepts and, and, and devising plans to, to win with what you've got, because that's what you need to do in the NFL, and that's where the likes of Bill Belichick separate themselves from the rest of the league, because they adapt to what they've got. You know, the amount of players that they turn over there... He always fits a plan to sort of... If you look at the New England defence, for the first three weeks of the season, they look like absolute crap, <laughs> you know. But, he, but he's, you know, in that you know in that week off, they've, you know, tinkered with it, changed some of the schemes, and all of a sudden they're looking like, you know, again, they're going to be in the hunt, aren't they? So it's just that ability to sort of change and adapt for me is, is crucial. Yeah, I was even thinking about it, because I've been thinking about this since the game, and I was looking at... I was thinking back to Mike McCarthy and I was thinking I can't really criticise him with the record that he had and then I was thinking to myself is he a Pep Guardiola is he a Jose Mourinho is he one of these managers you know coaches that come into a team that is stacked with enough talent that he can win with it you know when he's given a bad hand can he actually do something with it um and I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is you know and, and the perfect example is Bill Belichick it's that his roster turnover is insane. You know, he's had a few staples there. He's had Tom Brady, of course, you know, which is akin to Aaron Rodgers, who's been, you know, I mean, he's not very injury-prone, Tom Brady. But as you said, he's able to tinker. He's able to work with what he has. Now, speaking of working with what you have, let's take a look at Dom Capers for a second because when people talk about, you know, scapegoating anybody or, or someone that needs to go, Dom Capers is the first person that comes up. So, me personally, what I've wanted to see in Green Bay for a while, and it's not personal against Don K- Dom Capers or anything like that as a man, but I think that the, his system is outdated now, and I think he rides the, the coattails of maybe being a great coach from back in the day, inventing what he did with the Steelers. But And it's not even, it's not even Dom Capers. It could be anybody in there. It could be X, Mr. X, I think that after a while, Andy, do you not think that a team needs to refresh their coaching staff to a degree, come up with new ideas? And it just seems like the Packers on defense do not have an identity. They don't have the aggressiveness. Our pass rush was absolutely embarrassing. 
um, against the Lions. Our run defense was fantastic, funnily enough, but our our pass rush was non-existent. There was one line that I heard the comm say, it was like, oh, five-man rush, uh, Matt Stafford, no pressure, has plenty of time. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, makes that, makes that play. That's an actual commentator's line. Uh, is it a Dom Capers thing? Is it just a, a stagnant situation that if you have anybody in there for that long, it's going to go stale? Or is it a bit of a mixture of the two? Yeah, I think it's a mixture of the two, isn't it? I think we have a... Uh... A, a, a severe lack of leaders on defense. I think that, that we are quiet. We lack nastiness. We lack athletes. We lack quick twitch speed. Um, we lack height. We lack presence. We lack an identity. And so you can sort of begin to apportion blame, and it's probably 50-50, isn't it, that I think Ted Thompson is um, 50% responsible. He has not provided done with the caliber of athlete that he needs to make his antiquated system even half work you know the fact that he sort of passed on the likes of Carl Lawson five times on on draft day still rankles me to this day um, when we had a sheer you know screaming out need for pass rushes I mean let's look at it from Detroit game third string offensive tackle and we couldn't even lay a glove or move him off the spot I can't remember once I can't remember once this season where we've had a contested pass. If you can, I've looked at tape and I'm thinking, we just don't do it. We sit so deep. It's almost like a prevent defense from the 25-yard line and we yeah. just give them 75 yards. What's what's occurring with Ha-Ha Clinton Dix? I just, I just don't know. Um, Morgan Burnett, you alluded to it earlier on, he can't stay fit. I think he's a key cog in the defense. But ultimately, if you're going to invest a, a severe amount of dollars into a player, then... He needs to be accountable on Sunday. And the fact that he can't, you know, every season it seems to be sort of four or five, you know, games that he's he's not available for, then there's serious questions to be asked there. There is no pass rush, you know. Uh, Matthews is within the scheme is just ineffective. Perry is a great run stopper, but again, his pass rush has been ineffective in the way he's being played. Um, I think it's a shame because I think Clark and Martinez have both had, you know, really, really good years. But within the some of the parts, it just it's just not working, is it? It's just it's probably the worst defense I've seen um, in Green Bay for for 20 years. It is it's it's um, it was embarrassing Monday night. I was embarrassed anyway. I thought it was I thought it was pitiful. Uh, someone showed me a clip earlier on of the uh, of the screenplay that Ha Ha Clinton Dix was doing a a backpedal just to avoid the block, and that sort of sums it up for me. There's a lack of hunger, a lack of desire, um, and I think. I've never known Lambeau Field so quiet on Monday night. I don't know whether it came across to you yeah. guys on the TV, but I thought it was, you know, your defence is your tone set, isn't it? You, you know, that first possession, that first third down that we had, and then we had the bonehead played by Daniels. And that, for me, was just sums it up, really, that we can't get off the field on third down, can we? And I, think, I don't think people understand how important that sort of time of possession thing is for the offence, particularly with the quarterback that's inexperienced. We need all the players we can get. And if we're using, you know, if we're sort of playing 40, 60 every week, you're not going to win many games in the NFL. You're just not going to win that game. Um, you know, we're an NFC North team. We're playing cold weather. Green Bay should have a top 10 defence year in, year out. And the fact that we haven't had that for, for, for numerous years, and I'd say since 2000, four years for me, he's, he's four years sort of past his sell-by date, Dom. I think I think he's a great football man. I love listening to him talk. I think he understands the game, but he he, he hasn't changed. He just hasn't changed. He's, he's got his way of playing defence and that's it. You know, he's going to bring the, the sort of slot blitz on third down or bring it up the middle. It's just so predictable, you know, and you can run Julio Jones, you can run 
you know, anybody you like, Golden Tate on a crosser, 15 yards down the field, knowing full well, you'll sit in between the zones and he'll pick up an easy first down, whether it's third and 15 or third and 33. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's just there for them every time. It is, isn't it, though? You just know. I look away from the telly now. I just look away because I think yeah, it's going to be a first down. And if it's not, you'll see a flag coming. And, and sure enough, you know, there we go. Uh, three and 18 is or uh, what was it uh, eight and 13 i think they were on third down they didn't punt once detroit so it was pretty ominous but that's let- just, just you know it's terrible isn't it you know that's just ridiculous isn't it I, I, on a home monday night game where you've had 15 days to prepare for an offense a familiar opponent i, I just think that's unacceptable uh, and you know I, I can't see any way that mark murphy who is a football guy tolerates that it's just not right is it and that's that bit where Mike McCarthy, I think, needs to make some real tough leadership decisions. And people will say, well, they're, you know, changing the coach halfway through the season or the scheme's not going to work. But, you know, you've got to try and do something, haven't you? Because, you know, even in any sort of shape of sport that you, you hope that new person just makes everybody feel a little bit more insecure about their job and they just try a little bit harder. If you get a little bit more effort, that would mm. be a step in the right direction, I think. Yeah, and a couple of things could bode well for the Packers. So you could have a fantastic team with a, with a pretty good defense, offensively sucks, and their D coordinator decides that he wants a new job. And if the Packers don't make the playoffs, uh, you know that's the, t- the best time to make a play for a coach. Ideally, you'd want someone who's in a playoff caliber team and that coach gets let go or decides he wants to move on or whatever. That'd be ideal. But So we're looking down the barrel here now of potentially not making the playoffs i'm still not convinced that we can't get something going um i don't know why i just think that we've enough tools <laughs> on defense to a degree i mean kenny clark is number 10 on interior for all interior defenders mike daniels number 18 he's nasty blake martinez has just been a revelation he sits at number 11 out of all linebackers morgan burnett albeit who's injured he's not going to play against the bears sitting at 18 like, I don't know who's going to get the comms helmet then. Are they going to give it back to Ha-Ha Clinton Dix, knowing full well that he doesn't deal well with it? Um, like, I, I don't the problem, know. The problem with that is, I think, that if you give Dix the comms, he's that far back, I'm not sure he'll get the signal. Because he stands <laughs> 30. So I'm not sure they'll be able to hear him. Yeah, yeah, I'll be backpedaling. What did you say? You know, trying to make you catch up on the wind. Uh, but Brett, Brett Hundley, funnily enough, uh, out of 32 quarterbacks, is sitting at number 27. So not bargain basement for all the, the naysayers out there. Pass a rating of 100 when he wasn't pressured. Like, if we try to take a, a silver line in here and we, we park the whole, you know, maybe letting coaches go, because I do think Dom Capers is going to go irrespective. I don't think they're going to be brave enough to make that move. Uh, they might be brave enough to make the move with players and the way we've seen some pretty dodgy stuff happening lately. I don't think they're going to be brave enough to make that decision with Dom Capers. I think what they'll do is they'll they'll coast on. But they're they're not going to try suck. Um, but you would think, wouldn't you, Andy, is at the same time, if we didn't have a good season, we chalk it up to just A-Rod being injured and we get a high draft pick. But, yeah, I mean, so let, let's do the hypothetical then. Dom Capers goes, I mean... Do you have anybody in mind that we could get in, or any type of scheme guy that we need to get in? What you know? What can he? Can you run a different type of defense? Can you change from the three-four, put the four-three? I mean, what what can the Packers do defensively with the players that they have and a potentially high enough draft pick? Do they definitely go defense pass rush? Uh, well, I think that they've got pieces in place. You know, I think there's the Martinez has been fantastic this year, hasn't he? I think Kenny Clark looks like a, an all-pro in waiting. Mike Daniels is great. I think that Kevin King's flashed. Um, I really like Josh Jones. 
Um, I think Nick Perry's got something to give, given given the right system. If Morgan Burnett could ever stay fit, there's a player there. Um, ha ha, Clinton Dix has been has shown in previous years that he can play. So we just need to sort of figure out why the players drops off so significantly this year. But within and amongst that, we need to add sort of three, four, five athletes. You know, guys that that fly to the ball and have a bit of aggression and an edge to them, you know, that, that, that brings an identity to the defence. We've got Mike Daniels and you hear the sound bites and, and all that, but actually no one really backs that up, do they? It's just not our style. We just don't play that way. I think you've seen flashes of it from Josh Jones, who likes to uh, likes to lay the wood, but that's about it. I, I, there's, there's, I, I'd go in any different direction. There's, there's college coaches out there that I'd like to see being given an opportunity. Um, quite close to home in Wisconsin. I think there's there's, there's a, the Jim Leonard that, that's been sort of talked about. It's probably too early in his coaching career, but um, uh, I would literally take probably most people in the NFL right now, both over special teams and defensive coordinator, because I think special teams has been equally as uh, putrid, to be honest. Um, I, I like McCarthy. I think he's a he's a he's a great leader of men. I think he's you know we have to recognise that he's won a Super Bowl um, in Green Bay for all that we've had missed opportunities over the last few years so I think that the three positions for me that would be under scrutiny would be defensive coordinator obviously I think that special teams need to shake up big style and I also think that Ted Thompson is you know for the, for the guy who hangs his hat on being a draft, a draft sort of superstar then we've we failed bismally really over the last four years and I think that we need to change there because we've got so many options whether it's Elliot Wolf, or whether it's John Dorsey or whether it's Schneider. There's there's so many options out there who would jump at the chance to be the GM of Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, you know, three or four years of peak powers still left. So, you know, I think um I think if we get that right at the top, I think that we've got enough pieces in place, both on offense and defense, still to be effective in the short term. It's not sort of a rebuilding project. And we have half a season to go. Uh, we're underdogs against the Bears, which is the first time that's happened since Jesus was a baby. What is going to make you, apart from the fact that most of the games or a lot of the games now are on six o'clock in the day, which for everybody else is great, but uh, for me, and I don't know if I can speak for you, Andy, six in the day is not convenient, okay? You know, we've got to put kids to bed, we've got to feed kids, we've got to change nappies, we've got to do all of that type of stuff. Nine o'clock is premium, like it. Six o'clock, not great, but what's going to make Andy Davies turn on the TV, apart from the fact that you're a diehard fan and have been since since the 80s, apart from all of that and the loyalty, what will make you tune in and watch this? What positives can you take from the rest of the season? I found it really tough on Monday. I don't know about you, but I found it tough. The, the build-up from sort of 9 o'clock our time was, you know, we get this four-hour slot there. I just, it was like a, a crash. <laughs> you could see what was going to happen. Yeah. And you're watching it and you're watching it and you're watching it and then there's a little glimmer of hope on the first drive and I'm thinking, oh, actually, we've, you yeah, know, we've, yeah. we've marched sort of 30, 40 yards down the field and then it just all played out like I expected it to play out, if not worse. Um, uh, I was hanging my hat on. I thought Aaron Jones has been a revelation at running back. I thought if we gave a heavy dose of Aaron Jones and you bring Ty Montgomery on third down, we've got enough talent at the wide receiver position to to get 200 yards passing if we get 100 yards out of Jones 200 yards passing and 50 yards out of Montgomery you've got 350 yards that should be enough to be competitive in the NFL from an offensive point of view um, but the way the defence played you're going to need double that and that's the worry for me I just can't see us stopping anybody 
it doesn't matter, you know, when we had Avod in team, we talked about Super Bowl in the summer when you watch the Dallas game, when you watch the Cincinnati game, you always feel like if we've got the ball last in Avod's hands, we have a chance. But other than that, we haven't stopped anybody since the 90s. You know, it's just crazy. We just don't stop anybody. You look at the points scored against us from the, the sort of early part of 2015, right the way through last year and all the way through this year. It's it's phenomenal. We don't stop anybody. They only stop themselves, don't they? We don't, we don't make any... You know, stops and the turnovers have dropped, and we, we're no longer a sort of turnover-hungry team. So, as a result, we're just we're just easy to play against, and that's the reason why I just think fundamentally we need a change there to give us any hope, any semblance of hope, because we know how quickly it can change in the NFL. You know, one one turnover, one sort of you know spark, and, and all of a sudden, you know, players are back invested into the message, and they've got you know a, a carrot in place but at the minute I just don't see anything from the defence that gives me reason to believe that you know it's going to be a exciting run into the to the postseason. yeah because we, you know there was games that we were kind of like oh that's a gimme you know we're looking at the Ravens uh, which is the Dublin meetup and then we've got the Browns then December 10th outside of that Andy we're looking at the Steelers uh, the Buccaneers the Buccaneers are faltering lately but they're still they're fairly dynamic you know James Winston can do the job uh, when he's given it now they're coming to Lambo, but again against the, this team as it stands we've also got the Panthers and then of course the Vikings and Lions in there so out of those opponents do you, like look at we're facing the Bears but it's at Soldier Field then we face the Ravens do you think we in any way can use those two games as a jump off point for opponents that have quite obvious weaknesses to maybe try hold out against a team like the Steelers after that? Or are you effectively writing off the season from here on out as a learning experience, get the you know, high draft pick, change a bit of the coaching around and come back next year to give it large? If you see the same performance as you saw on Monday night from both sides of the ball, if you see the same performance that you saw from the defence that we've seen pretty much for most of the year, then the answer is I can see potentially maybe it's one, maybe it's two wins. If we have some real sort of stand in the mirror and look at ourselves and say, right, we need to change something. Fundamentally, something needs to change. Mm. We need to potentially play a different way. We need to try different things. And we need to sort of play with a little bit more aggression. Then then it's then it's up for grabs. Of course it is. It's, it's the NFL. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. So that you, you never write it off. You've always got that hope and that belief that, you know, something might turn. But I just worry that at the minute on the defensive side of the ball in particular that we're just not stopping anybody. And because we're not going to score as many points as what we've been used to in the past, and that's obvious, then then it's just, it feels it feels wrong. Does that make sense? It just feels it feels like there's something not quite right. There's a, there's a real gap and there's a real, I don't know. Uh, it just feels disjointed. It feels like the connection between the players and the coaching staff is no longer one that's conducive to going and producing NFL wins on a Sunday. And that's the, the big worry for me. And if you talked about it in sort of soccer terms, football terms, you'd almost say like the coaches, you know, the likes of Billich who went to West Ham and say, oh, he lost the dressing room. That's how it feels to me, that we've lost the changing room. And that's the big problem you've got. Because once that happens, there ain't no coming back from it. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, I'm just going to be devil's advocate here and I'm going to end the podcast on this. And I said it last time and then I thought about it after the Lions game. It felt like a right arse and I'm going to say it again because, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to do it, right? Here's how I see it happening. I see that against all odds, and I'm only saying it because 99% of you who say the season's doomed are right, but I'm just going to I'm gonna cut out that part when I replay this after we reach, not the playoffs, but do kind of semi-respectively, right? I'm going to say 
that we do okay against the Bears. Then we beat the Ravens. We get spaced by the Steelers. We win against the Buccaneers for no reason whatsoever. Beat the Browns because the Browns are the Browns. Put up a weird game against the Panthers, still lose, and then win one of the Vikings or Lions game uh, down the stretch. For no reason at all. I don't even know why I'm saying it. But I just think that we have enough weapons on offense, and I know we don't have A-Rod, that we might be able to get something creative going. And I think that eventually McCarthy will be like, yeah, look, we're not going to the playoffs. Screw it. Let's just try something weird, you know? Um, And I think that defensively, we're stout against the run for some reason. Uh, Maybe that's because we're trying to get pass rush and we can't, and then all of a sudden we trip over the guy who's actually carrying the ball, trying to, you know, the running back. So maybe that's what's (laughs) happening. I don't know. And maybe that's how we're so adept. I'm not sure. Um, But I think that something might happen there, not in the secondary because we're screwed there. But I think, I don't know. I I think we might have the semblance of enough to get by some things because the Saints, we went into that game and they're a team on on a recent roll is that, you know, we were leading going into the fourth quarter and then it all fell apart. The Lions, there was that dumb Mike Daniels penalty which gave them the touchdown, which put us on the back foot. Now, people are saying we lost the momentum and we didn't get the field goal. I don't think you get momentum from a field goal, let's be honest here. Um, So, I, you know, I think there's enough, there's, there's a slight glimmer. If we get pasted by the Bears, I think it's over. Yeah. Do you not do um, not concern you though? They, I, th- I think we, we lose games. We've lost games before. We've come back. We've had heartbreakers. People make mistakes. I, I, all that for me is you know it's part of the NFL and you accept it. The, the apathy that I saw on the pitch, particularly second half against New Orleans and and for the for the entire game after 15 days off against Detroit is the biggest worry for me. That's the bit that I, just sticks in my mind. I'm thinking the lack of energy, the lack of intensity. The lack of atmosphere in the crowd that you know feed off the players, it just felt flat. It just felt flat. So I just don't know where the spark's gonna come from to, to reignite that. But do you, sort of do you know passion. what, Andy? Does it not get embarrassing enough that the players go, Do you know what? Screw this, I'm gonna go out to play for me. I mean, do we do we need to hit rock bottom? Do we need to get beaten by the Bears for you know, for us to say Alright, because you know that run the table thing. I mean, A Rod came yeah. out and said that the week before they lost. Yeah, and then yeah. he said it again, and then all of a sudden, oh, he says it and it happens. No, it didn't. You know, he was trying to rally around the team. Does it not get to a point where they're like, lads, you're professionals here. Even your wives don't want to sleep with you when you go home. I mean, you know, this does not need to get to that stage. Have you ever been on a team, a professional football team, where you know you struggled during the season and you turned it around? Have you have personal experience on what makes a team do that? Absolutely, but you have that coach pressure. So you have your manager or your coach or your or, or whoever it is is in charge of the team who apply that pressure to you. So that they, they'll they call you out, they'll hold you accountable, they'll pull you in, they'll show you the tape, they'll talk about it on the pitch at halftime, the end of the game. But more, more, more important than that is is the person standing next to you or sitting next to you in the change rooms. If they turn around to you and say, "Oh," That, that's not good enough. I didn't mm. see the effort from you today. You know, you need to do more. You need to work harder. You need to do this, that, and that. That is the, the pressure that brings a team together. But there's leaders within the locker room that say, right, come on, guys, that's that's not good enough. That's not good enough. You know, I want more. You know, they get in your face and they sort of, that's the bit for me that, that I don't see. I don't see it in the huddle on offense and I don't see it in defense in any shape or form whatsoever. We lack leaders people who can be coaches out on the field. They talked about, you know, ha-ha being the communicator and he's taking a step up and all that in the off-season. Uh, from where he stands on the pitch at the halfway line when they've got the ball on the 20, I just don't see it. And I think Morgan Burnett is probably the only person on there who does communicate. And but unfortunately, the guy just can't stay fit. Yeah. 
I just I just don't see it. Clay's never been a leader. Nick Perry's a quiet kind of guy, isn't he? Mike Daniels is nasty, but he's an interior lineman, so it's very difficult to lead from that position. We've got some immaturity at, at the corner. So Kevin King's a rookie, and we've got the enigma that's Demarius Randall. So I think when you look across our defence, we don't have that leader. We just don't have it. You know, we, we don't have the Ryan Pickett that we are. We don't have the, the Wayne Simmons or the Reggie Whites or the Sean Joneses of the past. We don't have any of that anymore. We just don't have it. Uh, I think that's a bit where Ted Thompson has let down, you know, his coaching team because he just hasn't drafted those sorts of people. Zach Brown, who plays for Washington Redskins, was available for pretty much the entire offseason until Washington signed him up for quite a measly sum. And if you watched him last week playing for Washington up in Seattle, that's the kind of intensity and flying around and punching the fist, you know, and sort of really showing people what uh, what it's all about is what we miss. We just don't have that type of player. And, and that, for me, is the the one thing in my mind that I think, yeah, I'd love to see us go and whoop the Bears and turn our season around. And, but I just need to see something first to give me that cling, you know, cling of hope to, to sort of hang on to, really. Um, hopefully we get it Sunday. Well, if the Packers are listening, uh, go back and listen to our draft special. Andy Davies will have told you exactly what you needed to do. He was calling out players that me and Ryan kind of laughed about. You said that they'd keep all the running backs they did. Uh, you said that Aaron Jones was going to be a stud. He was. You said that Josh Jones was going to show some big play potential. He does. So I think the only solution really is TT, out you go, Andy Davies, in you go. And I think that's the only way. It's the only way. Is, you know, this is your, this is your CV. It needs to happen. It needs yep. to happen, yeah. It needs to happen. So get yeah, that. Me and Elliot, I think, would be a good team. I think me and Elliot would, uh, <laughs> we'd, we'd, he could deal. The, he could be like his dad in the, uh, the free agent market. I think he, that's where he would benefit oh, yeah. the, the club. Yeah, yeah I think we'd, uh, we'd nail it. Well, there you go. If you want to hear any more of Andy Davies' mastery, um, hopefully we'll, we'll get you on the pod again, Andy. If you want to see Andy in person, he's going to be in Dublin. He's going to be behind centre, but he tells me that he wants to roam around. What is it, tight end, Andy, you want to your playing clutch end at the moment? Yeah, well, I play centre for the Blackhawks in Newcastle. Um, right. We play in the MEC, which is a uh, flag football um, sort of north division, really, if you like. Yeah. We went 14-0 uh, we and this season. Oof. So. Uh, we got we got done in the playoffs, but I missed the playoffs because I was on holiday. So unfortunately, um, but yeah, we got that's what yeah, happened. Yeah, harsh. Well, yeah, well, I didn't like to say, but that's, that's <laughs> what happened. You know. Yeah, well, there's one common denominator. So if you want to see Andy, come to the Dublin meetup. There's still tickets available. If you're Irish and you don't know if you're going to make it. Uh, you don't know if you want to buy a ticket you can just rock up on the night um so we're gonna have the big screen tv some good seats and we're going to be playing the ravens so if you're looking for a good chance to have a bounce back after we potentially get beaten by the bears even though i feel dirty saying it um come to that game but from myself at steedd nfl uh from andy davies at pooley shrew i believe on twitter if i've got that right Sorry, mate. Yep. Yeah, at Pooley Shrew. Give Andy a follow. Uh, follow the group at UK Packers. We have a closed group on Facebook. Make sure you get your asses in there. Uh, so there's nice nuggets flying around and some people that need some serious Packer therapy also. Um, it's goodbye <laughs> till, the, uh, till the Bears preview. Yeah, see you soon, mate. Bye.